0: Is one of the biggest sci-fi authors in the world the godfather of the Sri Lankan child sex trade? I don't know if that's a sentence I never thought I'd say either, but you heard it. Then we immediately get whiplash as we change topics to talk about a delightful little conspiracy involving Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And then we end this episode by pulling out our phones and journeying into the world of TikTok. Is it possible that TikTok is actually the gateway to our eternal torment? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I'm having a great day mentally. Um, I'm super sick. <laughs> I mentioned it on yesterday's episode that I wasn't feeling good. Now I'm sticky, and it's one of those sicknesses when you wake up from a nap. <laughs> it's one of those sicknesses that causes you to nap, and then when you wake up from the nap, you like stink. Like it's coming out of my pores. <laughs> so if you're a doctor, if you're a doctor and you know what that is, hit me up. I don't know what I, I'm on a really, really strong antibiotics. So that could be doing it. I could also just be sick, but I feel gross and I'm super sticky. So join me, join me for the next 40 minutes in this tiny closet as I tell you spooky stories as I'm feeling quite miserable. But one person who always cheers me up, I consider them my personal robotus. And coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Moose Fantasy. Everyone give a big round of applause to Moose. Moose, 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 Moose. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. I also have, I don't know why I'm shilling this all of a sudden, but I have my Amazon wish list. And then speaking of gifts, I got a curious item today in my P.O. box. I don't know who sent it to me. There was no note. Something called, I'm wondering if it's an ARG or a board game. Or or basically some sort of Jumanji-esque trap that I'm going to start playing and fall into. It's called McSweeney's 64, the audio issue. And you open it up, and it's a box with materials. I can tell the box materials cost more than most of the stuff in my apartment. This isn't an ad. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. If it's an ad, I don't know what it is. I opened it up, and it's like there's a scroll and a booklet and a big old keychain from McSweeney's. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for whoever sent it. I'm sure it's this whimsical, fun adventure, but I don't know even know where to start. Probably, probably reading the instructions. I think there's instructions in there. But whoever sent me the McSweeney's package, thank you very much. If I get sucked into an audio world where I outrun musical alligators and hippos made of tubas, then, then, then you guys know where I went. I got sucked into the world of McSweeney's. I'm not for sure what it is, but I'm sure it'll be fun moose fantasy let's go ahead and toss you so thank you for that moose fantasy let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dirigible we are leaving behind dead rabbit command we're headed all the way out to sri lanka and before we get started on this story i wanted to give a shout out to a writer known as jason sanford Jason is a, uh, is an author, and they wrote this right up on their Patreon page, and they made it available to the public. And what an investigation it was, Jason. None of this would be possible without, without your research, so I wanted to give you a shout-out. Thank you very much. And the full article will be in the show notes, obviously. The year is 1998, and we're in Colombo, Sri Lanka. And we're walking down the street, and there's a bunch of like kids flying kites, and there's like a cat sitting on a wall, and we see a kindly old man standing outside the house, and he's kind of waving to us. He's like, Hey guys, how you doing? We're like, Hey, hey, dude, you 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 look like you live here. And he's like, Yes, obviously, I'm standing outside of a house, you nitwits. Then he apologizes for calling us nitwits, and he goes to shake our hands and he goes, My name is Clark. Arthur C. Clark. And you're like, whoa, dude, this is like my favorite sci-fi author ever. And you're like shaking his hand. You're getting all close to him. You're like standing right next to him. You're like, can I rub my shoulders against you? He's like, anything for you. And I'm all, ew, you don't know, you don't know how this story goes yet. Gross. And you don't understand why I'm so grossed out. And I kind of grab you by the shoulder when we are walking on the streets of Colombo. And I was like, dude, yeah, I know that's Arthur C. Clarke. He's a world-famous science fiction author. He wrote 2001, A Space Odyssey. He wrote 2010, Rendezvous with Rama. These are all classics of the sci-fi literature. And even if you aren't into sci-fi, if you're into the world of the paranormal, he actually was one of the big pushers of paranormal phenomenon in the 70s and the 80s. He had like his own book series. I think he actually had his own television series called like Mysteries of the World by Arthur C. Clarke. He's written a lot about the paranormal world. But over time, he became more skeptical. He loves the paranormal. But it kept letting him down so much, he became a skeptic. He goes, you just can't prove any of this. Now, Arthur C. Clarke, I didn't know this until I was doing this reading, and this has been verified over and over again. But Arthur C. Clarke, he was a huge science fiction writer in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. He's passed away now, but he was also gay, now, back in the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, that was a career killer. Really, I'd say even in the 90s, that was a career killer. If someone found out that you were a homosexual and you were doing, doing any sort of job, right, you could uh, probably lose your job. So that was kept under wraps. That was kept under wraps, but people high up in the publishing business, other authors knew that he was gay. So when he moved to Sri Lanka back in 1956... It wasn't even called Sri Lanka back then. When he moved there, people go, oh, he's going there because that way he can live his lifestyle. He doesn't need to be in the proverbial closet anymore. He can live his lifestyle in this country that's more accepting towards that, so whatever. He can still write the books, we'll still publish them, and people kind of kept his secret. But in 1998 is where we're at. He's about to be knighted by Prince Charles. And... At this point, Arthur C. Clarke has polio. Apparently, this was still going around. He got a really bad case of polio back in 83, so he uses a wheelchair or crutches or a cane to move about, depending on the circumstance, which we will soon quickly find that he has to figure out different ways to chase people around. But he can't leave the country, basically. So... This is how high level, if you're, if this is the first time you're really knowing about Arthur C. Clarke, you're from a different generation, you might have heard of 2001, the movie. This guy's such a big deal that Prince Charles was going to fly to Sri Lanka to knight Arthur C. Clarke. Like, this guy, re. and one of the things that he's credited for is he's also a futurist. So he was very, very early talking about satellites being the next big thing. He kept saying, you know, guys, we're going to start putting these satellites in orbit, and that's going to allow us to communicate across the globe. This is going to leave behind all other sorts of communication, phones and telegraphs and (laughs) pigeons, carrier pigeons. We're going to go straight to the satellite. And that ended up becoming true. And it's interesting because Rupert Murdoch is a close friend of Arthur C. Clarke. And one of the reasons why they became such friends is was Rupert Murdoch heard Arthur C. Clarke's predictions about satellites, invested heavily in satellites and satellite television, and made a mint. So in a way, Rupert Murdoch owed his fortune, or at least a portion of his fortune, to Arthur C. Clarke. So this was a big level, guy. So the fact that Prince Charles was coming out to see him, and not being like, if you want to be knighted, you better get that wheelchair on a boat, buddy. He goes out here, it's a big deal. The Daily Mirror, a newspaper in Britain, though, before Arthur C. Clarke can be knighted, they run an article about Arthur C. Clarke. Now, it's not a glowing article. It's not a roundup of all the books he's written or why he doesn't believe in ghosts so much anymore. It's more of an article that that includes quotes like this. This guy's about to be knighted. This is one of the quotes from this article, quote, But Clark's fading health does not stop him from enjoying his favorite pastime, playing table tennis with schoolboys, at a notorious pickup haunt for perverts called the Otter's Aquatic Club, unquote. They out and out call him a pedophile in this article. Now, the Daily Mail is a tabloid. They're all tabloids over there. I don't do not know how the British get any real news that you have the sun and the mirror and news of the day and the Daily Mirror and all these tabloids. And so they're running this and people are like, well, again, this is a British newspaper and it's a tabloid. But let's see what other information they have to back up before they get sued into oblivion. All these other quotes start coming out of this article. And, and what the Daily Mirror says is we sent two reporters down there and we didn't tell Arthur that they were reporters. It was just two dudes Walking around, hanging out with Arthur C. Clarke, pretending to be his buddy. Let's look at some of these other quotes, because that's a pretty bold claim, right? Here's another one. He was called by these two reporters. I don't know who these reporters pretended to be, fellow perverts. I'm assuming, because he was called by these reporters, one of the founders of the child sex tourism in Sri Lanka. And that's the reason why he moved out there, was the access to boys, and he actually caused other men to fly out to Sri Lanka to indulge in this disgusting act in Sri Lanka, away from prying eyes. Or at least, if the prying eyes see them, they're easily bribed. When he's asked about stopping the child sex trade, because these reporters are having this (laughs) apparently casual conversation with a pervert, and this is what you you talk about. When he says that he wants to stop the child sex trade, quote, but how do we stop it? This is an actual quote from... (laughs) Arthur C. Clarke, your favorite author, quote, but how do we stop it without interfering with the rights of responsible adults? Unquote. That's always the big concern, right? (laughs) Whenever you see child trafficking, you're like, hey, we could really crack down on this. But, you know... (sighs) <sighs> Anyways, just crack down on it. Don't worry about these guys. Anyways, and then we have quotes like this. Quote, I have never had the slightest interest in children. You're like, oh, that, that's pretty cut and dry, buddy. That's quick. Why you keep calling this guy a pedophile? You don't have any proof. <laughs> the proof. The proof is the rest of the sentence, my friends. Quote, I have never had the slightest interest in children, boys or girls. They should be treated in the same way. But... This is not a sentence you ever want to add a butt to. But once they have reached the age of puberty, then it is okay. Now that is not, just to reiterate, that is not me saying that. That is esteemed science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke. So what is that, 11? Right? That's insane, dude. This isn't some farming community in 1700s France, and even then, even then <laughs> I don't recommend it. But like my great grandma was 12 when she started having babies because they owned a farm, so you start having kids early, early on. But that this this guy he doesn't own a farm too; he's not having kids. Three, it's the 80s or at least the 50s since he's been doing this stuff. Anyways, and then uh, probably the worst quote. (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. You're like, oh, man, this is real festive. Don't worry. There's a Rudolph story after this, if you're still around. Quote, I, and this is a pretty standard pedophile quote. If, if you, if the other ones, you're like, ah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> I maybe mean, you think the other ones are maybe, then whatever. But here's the one that really is the nail in the coffin. Quote: I think most of the damage, and I've heard this from other pedophiles, not not ones that I personally hang out with, but reading news articles and stuff like that from people who engage in this activity. Quote: I think most of the damage comes from the fuss made by hysterical parents afterwards. If the kids don't mind... I ain't even, even saying this stuff, right? Because it's basically my voice saying this. Someone's going to clip it and make something horrible happen. If the kids don't mind, Arthur C. Clarke said, fair enough. Unquote. He goes on and he says, yeah, I hang out at this place called the Otter's Aquatic Club. He he has sex with kids as young as 12. And he pays them 10 to 15 pounds for this. And the article goes on. It tracks down some of these young men who are now in their 30s. And they're like, yeah, we used to go there and all the old men would pay us money. And it was super gross. We did not want to do it. But we could feed our family for like a week. So we did it. And they this is a full-on investigation. And a bunch of different things happen at once. The Daily Mirror publishes this article. And Prince Charles goes, uh... You know that whole you know that whole knighting thing? We'll do that later. Let's see how this plays out. I don't know. I'm surprised I've never heard of this. This is all happening in the late 90s. But apparently it was bigger news over in England. They stopped the knighting process. It was just the sword was just touching one shoulder. And they're like, stop it, stop it. Don't make him a knight. They stopped the knighting process. Prince Charles never even goes over there. But people are having a really hard time wrapping their heads around this. And one of the people who's having a super hard time wrapping his head around it is Rupert Murdoch. So, again, I told you that he invested a bunch of his money in satellites. I did leave out one detail. He owns several British newspapers. Rupert Murdoch, he owns Fox News today. He's a newspaper magnate. He's a media guy who just buys a bunch of media like Ted Turner and things like that. So he's furious because this is one of his really good friends and someone he owes a lot to. And he starts making phone calls saying, I'm going to find out who those reporters are. Well, they knew who the reporters were. He just had to read the byline. line. But he goes, those reporters are never going to work in British journalism again. Like, I'm shutting them down because this is 100% not true. What happens is the Daily Mayor ends up running an apology for the article. But they do not run a retraction. They say, we're sorry for publishing this, but they do not say that none of it is true. But the Sri Lankan authorities, obviously they have a bunch of egg on their face because it was basically like, this is something that Westerners just do to come have sex with these boys and the police aren't doing anything about it. So the Sri Lankan police start investigating and they say, we didn't come back with anything. We did not come back with any evidence from hanging out at the Otter Aquatic Club. Just the name, just the name is the evidence, guys, Right. Anyways, the Sri Lankan authorities say they don't have any evidence. Interpol went to the Daily Mirror and said, well, if this is true, we want a recording, because we know your reporters recorded these, this conversation. We want that. Interpol wants the recording so they can open an investigation on in Arthur C. Clarke. And the reporters refused to give the recordings over to Interpol. So at this point... Interpol goes, it's, it's not real. Sri Lankan authorities go, it's not real. The public goes, well, how come you're not giving the recording up to Interpol? Maybe it's not real. Rupert Murdoch's still storming around. Eventually, Prince Charles did fly out to Sri Lanka and knighted Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke dies in 2008. And a curious thing happened. When he passed away, he's an official knight of the realm... When he passed away, the British crown, the British royal institution, gave no statement on his death. Hey, it's really sad to see one of our knights missing. If we ever get invaded by the French again, we're one soldier down. But they didn't say anything. But again, people didn't really think much of it. The whole idea of him possibly being a pedophile had disappeared. It had been ten years since then. So a curious tale, right? Is there any truth behind this? Well, we get a little more information a couple years later. Before the Daily Mirror ran this article, they heard that another newspaper was trying to investigate Arthur C. Clarke. It was not. This kind of fell into their laps. There was a newspaper called News of the World that was going to run an article about Arthur C. Clarke being a pedophile. And as they were putting it together, the editors said, no, 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 you're not publishing that. You're not publishing that. We're not, that. That's insane. One, it, it we it won't pass illegal. It is a bunch of quotes from locals that are saying that he's doing this stuff. And two, our boss is Rupert Murdoch. So he's really good. <laughs> Did you not listen to the rest of this episode, dude? They're like, what episode? Our boss is Rupert Murdoch. He'll kill the story and kill us if we publish it. So they... Decided not to publish it at all, and what happened was the Daily Mirror heard what happened at News of the World, and they go, oh, let's run with it instead. But what happened was they ran with it, and they got crushed. But again, it was just one of those stories that just kind of existed for a period of time, and people have to wonder, is it true? Is Arthur C. Clarke actually a pedophile? Which I'm now realizing is the bulk of this episode. I didn't think the story was going to take so long to tell, but I find it fascinating I find it absolutely fascinating because we constantly see these powerful people. I shouldn't say constantly, but it does happen more than you want. These powerful peoples involved. This isn't just Arthur C. Clarke as a pedophile, which is bad enough. This is him actively partaking in the child trafficking thing. Like That's where it becomes industrialized. You know what I mean? Like it's worse. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it's okay to be the first one, but it's worse. You've basically industrialized it, and you just start to think. You know, I understand why the conspiracy theories of this worldwide pedophile pedophile cabal stick, because we keep seeing this. Have you guys been seeing what's going on with that CNN producer? I don't have his name. This is just off the top of my head, but that CNN producer. I know he used to work for Chris Cuomo. He got caught with child trafficking. He got caught, like... I'll put it in the show notes. He is... He got arrested the other day for hooking up with women on, like, social apps and having them bring their 9-year-old daughter out to his house, which, that's awful, and that's child exploitation and child trafficking, but then what we're starting to see, because now his life is becoming public, and the police are investigating this, and they're going to his house, and they're searching through all his stuff, and the detectives are looking at each other, and they go... He shouldn't be able to afford any of this. Like, this is millions of dollars worth of real estate and millions of dollars worth of automobiles. And sure, he works at CNN, but that's like, what, the lowest rated news service? How much does he really make? Not enough for that stuff. So is he, was he engaged? It's child trafficking in super lucrative business. Because you have something that is very, very hard to get and something people will pay any amount for. There's also been suggestions, this is actually, I read this in like gossipy, more gossipy places, but that other, there was four other men present that night when that woman brought the nine-year-old out to his house. So who were the four other men, right? These other high-profile people, rich people, is he, who knows? And also, it's odd. It seems to be the one thing, it seems to be the one thing everyone hates, but it seems to be the hardest thing to be canceled over. Because when we look at Woody Allen, who got charged with it, he's still making movies. Uh, Roman Polanski got charged with it. He was still making movies. You, you ha- There's that one guy who was... I don't want to talk about pedophiles for the whole half hour or 40 minutes or whatever you do. But there was that one famous case. It's so famous. I don't remember the guy's name, though. I'll try to put it in the show notes. But he was an on-set teacher in Hollywood. And he'd been charged and convicted of child molestation. And after he got out of jail, they hired him back. And he just went back to teaching kids in Hollywood because they're like, he's a really good teacher. So it's almost like the one thing that you should instantly get your ass kicked over, but it's also the thing that you don't get cancelled over. I'm trying. J- you know, it's just gross. It's just gross. I try to spend a small amount of time possible. I try to give a tiny amount of possible of brain power to thinking about pedophiles and their disgusting acts. But then I <laughs> do a true crime podcast and I, I get, I see articles about it all the time. I really don't even try to, I try to pretend that it doesn't exist. If I got to be honest with you guys, it's so absolutely disgusting to me. But when it does pop up and when it's someone this high profile, it's just super bizarre. I spent longer than I wanted to talking about that, but we're just going to keep going. We're going to save the Rudolph. The, oh, we'll do it. We'll do the whole thing. We'll just have a long episode. Moose Fantasy. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dreadnought, our battleship. Let's take it out of mothballs status haven't used it in a while we're leaving behind Sri lanka thankfully we are headed all the way up to the north pole big battleship which again has a horn i don't think battleships have the carnival cruise line horn moose fantasy is taking us all the way up to the north pole And we should have brought our jackets. It's super cold. We're seeing little elves. I'm just speeding through this one. I'm going to do this one in record time. A bunch of little elves walking around. No, no, I'm going to take my time with this. It's a really cool one. December 6th, 1964. We're in in the North Pole, and we're watching the very first showing of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we're watching it with all of the actors. We're watching it with uh, Hermie, the little elf dude. He's like, I want to be a dentist. And then there's Yukon Cornelius, who's like... Uh, me, <laughs> whatever I do, whatever my gimmick is, and he has his pickaxe and he's like licking his pickaxe. We're like, huh? And then they have the bumbles there. The big giant monster is like, oh yeah. And a bunch of broken toys. <laughs> I brought those. I brought those. Maybe I was hoping I could sell them to elves and make some elf cash. But we watch. We've all seen the movie of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I believe it's one of my favorite. The little asterisks that <laughs> was one of my favorite when I was six. Like nowadays, I don't really know how well it holds up. But I really loved it. I really loved it. I thought that female deer was kind. of <laughs> the female deer was kind of cute. Honestly, hey Rudolph, how I how I didn't become a furry. I have no idea. <laughs> but anyways, I didn't. I did think she was cute. And so we all have seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's a great story about. Don't let your differences hold you back. And don't let what other people will say about you hold you back as well. It's a great message for kids, right? And it's a huge hit. It was a huge hit. But when the first time they showed it on December 6, 1964, it was different. It was not the version you see today. The original ending, everything else plays out pretty much the same. But at the ending, Rudolph is like, oh, you mean I get to... Command the sleigh, and Santa's like, Whoa, whoa, whoa slow down. Command uh, is a pretty strong word. You're going to lead the sleigh. And he's like, Oh, that's what I meant. And they go floating around the planet, and he like his nose is lighting up so they can make it through the fog. And Santa goes, Ho, 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 ho. And then the credits roll. People are like, Oh, that was cool. Parents are like, what do you think, kids? And the kids are like, uh they didn't like it they didn't like they they liked it all the way up to the last five minutes because what's different in our version versus their version is they do not return to the island of misfit toys to then rescue those toys and give those to the children in the original version Rudolph goes to the island of misfit toys, realizes that all these toys are busted but they're still fun to play with, and then leave- then leaves them there. And so a lot of, there was a lot of letters being written in to the network saying, hey, we was we really liked it, but the ending they basically said if you're busted and broken down, no one will ever play with you. But maybe if you have some sort of benefit to someone else, they'll let you command their, I mean, lead their sleigh. So Rankin and Bass said, okay, we have one year to fix this and make this a holiday classic because it's near perfect. What we're gonna do is we're gonna add something to the ending where they go and they're delivering the misfit toys and the little boys and girls who get the jack o' lantern who can't jack. Or the doll with one eye or whatever. They'll love them just the same. Because these kids are obviously super poor. And they can't afford non-broken toys. So they went and they added that in. So the version we see nowadays is this. Everyone everyone has a home. Everyone has a place. Which again is a great message. But they have to take something out. So I this is one of those things that I never realized growing up. I just really enjoyed the the show. I hope that Lady, deer, I hope that lady Reindeer shows up again. Woohoo! What was her name, too? It's like Sally or Monica or something like that. I don't know. And it, Mrs. Carpenter. The point is, is that they had to cut something out. It wasn't it wasn't my fantasy. I don't even know why we're going on. That's apparently that's how sick and sticky I am as I'm talking about deer sex. The... They, the scene they cut out was the whole movie, apparently. It's been a while since I've seen it. Because my, my my parole officer won't let me watch it. It's been a while since I've seen it. But the whole show, apparently, Yukon Jack keeps sticking his pickaxe into the ground and then licking it. Licking the tip of the pickaxe and go, mm, not yet. <laughs> what? What is this? Sticks it in the ground later. I'm, oh, maybe, but mm, not yet. All of this stuff builds up to the ending where Yukon Jack, it turns out that the whole time, this will probably blow your mind, or or you just don't care. It'll be one of the two, but apparently the original version of this is Yukon Jack has a backstory. He's trying to find a peppermint mine. The whole time, that's his mission. The elf wants to be a dentist. Rudolph wants to prove his worth. And Yukon Jack wants to find a peppermint mine. And every time he puts his pickaxe into the ground, he's testing it for the taste of peppermint. What they cut out was there's now an ending scene, or there used to be an ending scene, where he goes, Peppermint! What I've been waiting for all my life! I've struck it rich! I got me a peppermint mine! Woo! So it made everything make sense. Now it looks like this guy just has some weird fetish that he likes tasting dirt. So they took out that 30 seconds of explaining his plot, explaining his reason for being, and then they put it in. Now what's better really for the kids? Is it for them to go out and eat dirt, hoping they'll find peppermint mines? Or is it that everyone has a place and don't give up even if you're not perfect that's the message but so weird like when we talk about lost media there's a little thing that they clipped down and nobody really would have noticed it was missing had it not been for this really real bizarre set of events where a man keeps licking his pickaxe moose fantasy get those moose foots going get us on board the carpenter copter Tashi, the keys catch them in your mouth He's like, dude, I have hands. It's just a name. I'm not actually a moose. Moose fantasy. Take your hands and grab these carpenter copter keys. We are leaving behind the North Pole. We are headed out to your pocket. And the helicopter, the helicopter rotors like morph into the sound of a vibrating phone in your pocket. You're like, huh? That's weird. and you pull your phone out. And you look, and it's a new TikTok from me. If you don't know, I do have a TikTok at Dead Rabbit Radio, and I'm doing my Fortnite dances and stuff like that. You know, I'll tell you this: I I'm on YouTube, and there's I I love YouTubers. There's one or two that I absolutely can't stand, and I obviously have a podcast, and I love podcasters. There's maybe again, maybe one or two or five podcasters I just can't stand. I'm on TikTok and I hate people on TikTok. I despise. I don't know what it is. I- I've never felt such a. I-, I feel like a racist. I feel like this is how racists must feel. Just the fact that they, just the fact that they have this shared commonality that they're on all on TikTok. I want to. I. 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 They. They enrage me. I don't know why. TikTokers, I mean, I swear I want to beat them each to death with a shovel. It's the weirdest thing. TikTokers are some of the most insufferable performers ever. I can't stand them either, but there's some good content on there. There's my true crime stuff, and then there's uh, Coley. That's about it. Me and Coley. So anyways, (laughs) you're going to go look up Coley and realize the other reason why I'm on TikTok, but But when I was doing my Thanksgiving live stream, I got an interesting comment, question from Creole Cosmopolitan. And it was basically, do you think that TikTok could be gathering information to blackmail people in the future? And I thought, wow, what an an amazing, interesting conspiracy theory, right? Because again, a good conspiracy theory includes people we don't trust, things we really can't verify, and... Things that sound true; these are all things that go into a good conspiracy theory. So I appreciate that—that that it's been percolating in my head since Thanksgiving—is TikTok a blackmail engine? And, and this would make sense. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not accusing them of doing this legally. I'm not saying that they're doing this. But think about it this way. Everything we do is recorded. Everything that we do, every search engine when we're carrying our phone around, I'll come home and it'll show all the places that I was at and ask me to give reviews on all these restaurants and all this stuff. So it's constantly bringing in information. And the idea has always been that these services provide us with free service. So like we get free email, we get free Facebook, we get free Instagram. And in return, they're selling our information. That's how they're making the bulk of their money. And so when TikTok comes onto the scene, you're thinking it's the same deal. And for the most part, it is. Now, of course, Gmail and Facebook and Instagram, they have ad components as well. But when's the last time you clicked on a Facebook ad? That seems like such an emperor with no clothes thing. Internet ads. Because I never click on them. I don't think most people ever really click on internet ads. But for whatever reason, people spend billions of dollars in internet advertising. So they do make money. But it seems to be the bulk of their money comes from selling your information so what's the next step because when tiktok comes out tiktok is one of those platforms that costs a lot of money to process video youtube if it wasn't part of the gmail google family they wouldn't exist It cost too much money to process and host all of that video they have to be part of a larger group to help carry the costs over so when you're looking at something like tiktok How is it possible that they're able to host all of this video footage on these servers and be able to spread it? The cost must be phenomenal. And of course, they do sell your information and they do have ads. What I found interesting, though, about TikTok is 79% of its revenue comes from China. Over in China, it's called Duyin. And 79% of its revenue comes from China. America only is 8% of TikTok's revenue. Doesn't even seem like it'd really be worth it. To push it out over here, you should just focus on your Chinese audience. But, going back to Creole Cosmopolitan's conspiracy theory, think about it this way. My phone's constantly recording everywhere that I'm at. And then every so often I'm doing these TikTok videos. I'm dancing the louche or whatever Fortnite dance is most popular nowadays. And then I forget about it and I grow up. And I was, I was a kid. I was a teenager in the original version of me. But now I have a LinkedIn profile and I have this Gmail account. And you start seeing me posting stuff on this business Instagram account. Is it possible, Conspiracy Cat fo- fully on, is it possible that as your internet presence grows, there's these algorithms measuring it? And when it sees your name start to pop up in political... Forums, when they start to see your information popped up in high level business forums or high level entertainment forums, they're seeing you linked into all these other powerful people. The algorithm then begins to go through all past activity because this information doesn't go away. And it would be useless on somebody like myself, basically, because the stuff I do on TikTok or where I'm going through the city of Hood River really wouldn't matter because at the end of the day, I just crawl into my haunted closet and tell ghost stories to all of my friends. But if I was a powerful politician and I was doing a bunch of goofy stuff and going to some places that would not be good for my reputation when I was younger... Now I'm in my 20s, my 30s, and I'm running for Congress, that algorithm it gets triggered when you get high enough up, and it begins to go through everything in the past and pull out every TikTok video, every Snapchat that you thought was deleted, every single piece of information that could be embarrassing, and then a dossier is presented to you and said, "Hello, future U.S. Senator, we need to talk. Is that possible?" Well, I think we're about to find out, right? It's interesting because, at least in my generation, when I was up to some salty stuff, I didn't have a tracking device on me at all times. And I definitely wasn't posting about it online. I was doing stuff, and then I was like, okay, that's done. I'm going to (laughs) go to this other location that's much safer and hang out here but we're going we have a whole generation really every generation going forward from this they by the age of 6 11 really at most they have tracking devices on them and it's i cringe every time i see something i posted on facebook when it pops up in my memories from like 2011 i'm like who were you you nerd why would you write that why would you even write that i get cringy when I'm reading stuff like that imagine if I was running for office and someone starts pulling up old tweets if you are start posting your internet presence when you're 11 when you're nothing but pure unfiltered cringe there's nothing a kid there's nothing a kid can do that does not immediately make me go uh cringe bro so imagine having a huge huge repository of your cringe at least that right at worst Your phone picking up where you're doing like hookups, where you're cheating on your girlfriend or having, you know, love affairs. You're in Sri Lanka once a year and your phone's picking that up and you're just doing some awful stuff. Then you're posting stuff on TikTok, like not even just the cringe stuff, but like the creepy stuff. All that stuff gets collated, All that stuff gets processed and it just sits there. You think it's gone. You've forgotten about it. But when you get up to a certain level of prominence, it all comes back. So Creole cosmopolitan conspiracy theory—that could be true, right? It could just be, could just be hosting all of this information, waiting for the optimal time. But again, with our conspiracy cap on, that I'm talking about information as a whole. Creole cosmopolitan, specified TikTok. So let's take it one step further, and we're going to wrap it up like this: our extra long episode. <laughs> Even though I'm sick, and it should have been half the length it is. I wanted to tell you guys all these stories. I don't want to leave you guys waiting. Picture this. I read this gossip, this celebrity gossip website all the time called Alt Celebrities Gossip. It's basically if the daily, <laughs> the daily Mail or the Daily Mirror had no editors. That's what it is. It's just people sending in rumors. But rumors are very fascinating, right? The difference between a rumor and a conspiracy theory is very thin. And so I read this stuff. It's one of the things I kind of read before I go to bed. I find it super interesting. Is it true? Who knows? But one of the things that popped up the other day, it always sounds true, right? A good rumor always sounds true. This is what popped up the other day. Apparently, there's a high-level... And when I say high-level, the, they're thinking on this website, they were guessing it was either Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates is the one responsible for this. But they said one of the wealthiest cheaters in the world, this very, very high-level prominent person, had gotten into a bit of an issue recently where they were sleeping around with this woman and she was about to expose it to the world. And their response to this blackmailing attempt was to invite the woman over to this office, over to this location, and show them a video. A video of her having sex. And she's watching this video and she goes, that's not me. And they explain, yeah, that's not you. This is what we call a deep fake." There, This is another porn scene. We got this other actress to have sex with this dude. But that's your face, right? Because that's what a deep fake is. We can take your image, we can take your face and perfectly match it onto this other woman's face, or man. If you wanted to get really funky in the sex scene, I mean, I think people would be able to figure out it was fake then. But they go, look at this. Here is your face on this woman's body. The body looks similar to yours. We hired an actress who looks similar to you. This is your face. We're going to release this on all major porn sites with your real name. Unless you drop this whole blackmail nonsense. So she dropped it. And I think this is where, whether or not that story's true, it could just be a gossip, obviously. But that's where I think TikTok would excel in. Is when you do a deep fake, you need to have, like, the more facial like clear facial pictures you have of the person you're trying to fake the better because what it's all this computer learning and if you have like a thousand still shots of someone's face it'll look pretty good when you put it on the body but if you have 10,000 in not 10,000 pieces of video but 10,000 individual shots so in a it, you can shoot a 1 minute TikTok showing your face that's going to give you already hundreds of freeze-framed shots of your face and if you have a TikTok account and you're posting these videos all the time they could easily edit you into a deep fake if you're constantly putting out these tiktok videos so is it possible that the reason why tiktok could be so damaging is we are pumping out tons of videos of ourselves most of it is the people's faces they're talking directly to the camera the camera is your phone so it's fairly close to you and when you pump out dozens of hours of tiktoks you can easily be deep faked into anything 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 You couldn't do the same thing with Instagram. You couldn't do the same thing with Facebook. You definitely couldn't do the same thing with Gmail. But TikTok, you give yourself so much facial footage that it's so easy to put over a porn star's head and blackmail you that way. So every time you make a TikTok, you're basically giving more information to the algorithm on not only how to blackmail you, but how to imitate you. And then taking it one final step forward to a true horrific vision of the future. If it has all your information, if the algorithm knows all of your wants, all of your hates, the places you go, the people you email, how you talk. And now it has all this facial footage of you, images of your body as you're doing all this TikTok stuff, how you move. Very, very easy to create a version of you. A virtual you again if you just have the social networking stuff it's all of your thoughts and your speech patterns typing writing patterns but with tiktok added to that it's also your image the way your face moves when you're sad and you're happy the way your body moves and you're doing the floss all of that stuff and it never goes away so what happens when you have to start building virtual people It scoops up all this information, and now it can create you as an NPC in a video game, okay? Because now it has all this information about you. (laughs) If there's a video game, there's a GTA 6, and they need to have a guy who's constantly going to Taco Bell. They could base it. They're like, well, here's a dude who always goes to Taco Bell. Here's his face on TikTok, and here's all of his information. We're going to input it into Grand Theft Auto, and it's going to walk around as he would. As he would. And you might think that's super fantastical. That is some. That is something that Arthur C. Clarke would come up with. And it would be, right? That would be super fantastical. I probably should end this episode 20 minutes. I'm sweating. I'm sweating so much. And I'm trying to figure out a way to end this. But it would be super fantastical. It's probably too fantastical to go into very, very quickly. But the way I think of it is... You can either program this type of stuff from the ground up. If you're a video game developer or you're trying to do a crowd scene for a movie, you could figure, and you're trying to do a CGI crowd scene for a movie, you could individually program all these parameters. But I believe technology will get to the point where. You can have incredibly realistic NPCs in video games. So they're walking down the street and they'll drop something and they'll go down and pick it up. And it wasn't scripted. That's just what you do. That's just what... I mean, you could get all this information because the information is there to buy. These video game companies could say, we want to buy thousands of people's information from these social media networks and from TikTok. And you program this in and see how they interact in an AI environment. Because we already have the personality there. It's already broken down into ones and zeros, right? And we don't read the user agreements for any of this stuff. I'm sure that... I'm not saying that if you look at the Facebook user agreement. It says, I agree to be turned into a video game character. But I'm sure that there are things in there saying, the information I post no longer belongs to me. So they can sell it. So basically what I'm trying to say is as we're interacting with this Internet, as we're leaving all of our information, leaving our all of our digital footprints around, we may be setting ourselves up to be blackmailed in the future, but the future may be more horrifying than that. They may be creating virtual representations of us and they have all the information they need to create a virtual Jason Carpenter. It's all out there. Why they would want to, I don't know. But it's all out there. And if you were going to create a video game, if you were going to create a digital world and you wanted the audience to, or the people in the video game to act realistically, you can just plug in all this information into the game and they'll start acting like that. It's a little, it's a little more complicated that, than that, but you guys know what I mean. From a sci-fi level, the technology may not be there today, but you could have hyper-realistic, NPCs or hyper-realistic crowds in these movies that you want to have just background characters. And so, is this is what I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at in my diseased state of mind. Is that you? Have you now created such a perfect replica of you that you are now in that video game? Like, you would wake up and you would be on the streets of GTA 6 or 9 or 13 or whatever it is. Because it's everything about you. The way your face kind of scrunches up when someone mentions the name (laughs) Arthur C. Clarke. Ew. The way that you walk, the way that your shoe always seems to drag, the way that your left shoe always seems to drag across the ground when you're walking, even the little things. At what point is that you? It's a perfect digital representation of you. And it thinks that it's you. And at that point, we're getting into the whole simulation theory that we may be living in a whole simulation, but it may not be that grandiose. We may live in a world where our own simulations are existing in video games alongside with us. And we don't even know what our information was sold, chopped up and processed. And I may never know I'm an NPC in a video game or I'm sitting there in a crowd as Hawkeye is shooting arrows into some dude's skull. I'm like, go get him, Hawkeye. At what point does that digital representation become us? At what point does that digital representation stop being a set of our personality traits and actually be us? So we could be living our life here, walking around, while another version of us is constantly getting shot in the back of the head by some player on Xbox. Really makes you ask the question, who are we? Like, what defines us? Because it really is our personality and the way we interact with things, but if you can perfectly replicate that and you can do it without my knowledge because i signed some terms of agreement so i could use these free services and now i'm a npc in the metaverse who who is the real jason now, you could say it's the dude who signed, it's this dude who signed the terms and conditions. This was the dude who was born to his parents' love on the Earth. Yeah, but this body will be gone someday. The virtual Jason, all this information will live on long past me. Be NPCs and video games and all of this stuff. So at that point, who's the real Jason? Is it the memory of the cremated body in the urn? Or is it the Jason that continues to move through cyberspace, not even knowing that he's nothing but a computer program? And this all happened because I downloaded TikTok. I downloaded an app on my phone and gave them even more information to create a perfect representation of me. And again, you could always say, why would they want to create a representation of you or of me or of anybody? And that's always the question. But I always ask, why are they providing such amazing services for free? It's not just selling your information. That doesn't make sense anymore. You can buy that information anywhere. There's something else going on, whether or not it's turning me into an NPC character or blackmailing me. It's something else beyond adding. It's something else beyond selling ads or selling my information. I do believe there is another reason behind services like. Gmail and Hotmail giving out free email addresses and YouTube allowing you to host stuff for free and TikTok. there's There's another reason why they're doing that. What it is, I don't know. Is it sinister? I hope not. Because billions of people use these services. So whatever the reason is, I hope it's a good one. But history has taught us that it probably isn't right it probably isn't DeadRabbitRadio@gmail.com at gmail.com is going to be your email address you can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio tiktok is at deadrabbitradio Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.